Hello, dear listener, and welcome to episode one of Door to Door Gaming, a mostly intelligent and competitive video game podcast. My name is John Watkins, and I would like to welcome my co-hosts, Cameron Minter. Hello. And Dalton Shields. Greetings. So, since this is the first episode, I wanted to lay out to our wonderful audience how the show is going to go on a normal basis. Every episode, we will begin with some small talk, then we'll proceed into our main segment, where we will discuss the games that we brought to the table or played for the past month. Then we'll read some emails if we have any, and we'll finish off with selecting the next host and promoting our own content if we have any to be promoted. With that being said, does anybody want to go forth with any news? Yeah, so I guess I'll I'll go, because I was talking to you a little bit about this before we had started, and I have been on this... I've been on, like, this, like pseudo shopping spree where i just like look at things that i want and then really really contemplate whether or not i'm gonna buy them and one thing has been uh just like looking at like portable game consoles and specifically like portable computers so i've been looking a ton at the new steam deck oled and then also the rog ally and i don't know what it is about them but because i like i have a computer that is significantly more powerful than both of these machines. And I spend most of my time at home on a desk. Right. On my computer. Right. So I don't know what makes me want to try it because it they're a lot more expensive than like a computer with similar specs, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they just seem they just seem cool. I don't I There's something about just being able to take X game, I think, especially if it's something that you grew up with, because a lot of games that you grew up with on pc you can still play on pc right Right. so there's something intuitive in your brain and i don't know how to explain it but being able to take that thing that you've been stuck at a desk your whole life and just like i can play it in the car or i can play it on the couch even if you're never going to do those things right yeah i think it's just like the freedom the freedom and the convenience of it yeah yeah exactly it's a big sell so like um obviously i'm like almost 10 years older than you and um, I grew up when, when the one game that I was glued to as a kid on PC was Morrowind. I didn't have it on Xbox, but th- that being aside, I played um, Morrowind and Oblivion on uh, PC. Nice. And which, you know, you know, you're, you're set in front of a desk for years playing these games that you love. And the first time I booted up Morrowind in the car, it was mind boggling to me. <laughs> It's crazy that you guys were talking about that because uh, uh, my buddy that I was out drinking with last night was thinking about getting the uh, the new Steam Deck uh, OLED, and he was saying that the way that they're pricing them uh, is like competitively, like with every other like version of that, because mm-hmm. they are charging the same price for the the OLED version that they are for the uh, whatever standard version. Yeah, and they marked they marked down the previous ones too. Yeah, yeah. And they are trying to, like, phase out the older model. So, like, all you have left is the new model, which is fine. But I just, I can't believe that they're selling something that has a longer battery life, um, a a better screen, and they're selling it for the same price. That is crazy. Yeah, no, it's it's super cool. I'm going through a bit of FOMO with that specifically because I um, I have the highest tier one from launch. Oh yeah, you have the original model. Yeah, I'm, I've I'm constantly contemplating selling it just to get the OLED, even though I know I don't need it, and I don't use it often enough, or in circumstances where I'm like more than twenty or thirty feet from a charger that can be plugged into the wall, and sat next to me. 
where I would need that extra battery life. The OLED's fine and everything, but the real the real seller in that department, for me at least, would be the battery life, and it's not something I need. But something in my brain is constantly like wanting me to get rid of this and get the exact same thing with a different screen. And yeah, I do the exact same thing, and I've even like looked at the I've looked at the OLED because I'm curious like how practical it is with it having an OLED uh, display if the Steam Deck is even or like if the hardware itself is even capable of pushing a resolution with the performance that an OLED would like th- that you would want out of an OLED, you know? It's kind of weird that uh cuz the they're doing the same thing with the Switch, the like the newest models OLED, but it's like if you're if you're if you don't have it docked, like I get that. It's a, a little bit bigger screen, better quality, but like most of the time I have mine docked, so it's like I'm using my TV which is going to output a much better resolution than right, yeah. the OLED yeah, because I because I have the the um, Switch OLED, and I re- I mainly just got it because the screen was bigger. Because I had played the regular one, and the screen was way too small for me to handheld play. That was my only. That was the like my major reason. That and it came with white Joy Cons, and my entire desk theme is white and black. Right on. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. That and I. Uh, other other than that, I I guess I what what. Uh, what stuff do you guys have? Like, what's 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 going on? What's what's happening? I uh, I mean, I don't particularly have anything uh, newsworthy, so to speak. Uh, I mean, I did I did just platinum the game that I was uh, that I'm planning on talking about. So I guess that's newsworthy. I know what game you're playing. I'm going to go ahead and ask before the segment starts. How much time? How many how many how many hours did you put into it to platinum it? And was it difficult to platinum? I don't want to go into it any more than that, but I am curious. No, like it's not, it wasn't super difficult. Um, I think like on maybe like six, seven hours, like it's, it's a pretty, right. pretty short game. Is it one of those things where like, uh, like old school Xbox achievement style stuff or 360 achievement style stuff where like on more simpler games, like just playing through the game will get you 95% of the achievements that you need to, you know, get your thousand gamer score from it. Most of the achievements, well, trophies, most of the trophies were uh, were just getting all the collectibles and then beating that boss of that world. So um, GDQ was last week, or the week before, rather. Hell yeah. And yeah, yeah, big speedrunning thing. Uh, for those that are listening that don't know, GDQ is a um, it's the largest uh, gathering of speedrunners, on this side of the planet at least, and they... It's it lasts seven days and it is twenty four seven nonstop in person speedrunning. They they uh, they they televise it and they stream it to the internet for charity, and they surpassed um, two and a half million dollars. Really, this year is is that their highest so far? Do you know? I don't think it's their highest, but I mean they pretty ra- they very regularly top two million dollars. That's still wild. Full disclosure, since I destroyed my notes earlier, I'm trying to remember who they uh, who they earned it for. Yeah, I wanted to talk about one specific stream um, that I was teasing to you, Dalton, before we started recording. Mm-hmm. There was a guy by the name of CZR who any percented, which is a category in speedrunning, where um, all glitches are allowed as long as you get to the um, the programmed ending of the game. He any percented Super Mario 64 in 23 minutes and 6 seconds on a drum set. 
like the, the DK drum set or like like a rock band drum set? No, like like no, not even a rock band drum. Like his drum set, like a like a yeah, like a proper drum set, like an oh, like an e kit, like an electronic kit. No, it was like he did no, no, like a like, re, like a real like drum a, set. This, all right, so I'll send this to you guys. You can watch it in the background or whatever. But um, it's 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 a genuine kit. So like um, he had like uh sensors on it. And so oh, like, yeah, they yeah, they have triggers. Yeah. Yeah. So so each thing was um assigned to a different cue uh on the game controller, right? So like um his four main and you're gonna have to forgive me, you're the instrument guy when it comes to percussion. I'm not. Mm-hmm. The the four main, like medium size, like twelve inch drums that you would normally have sitting in front of you. Mm-hmm. Each one of those was a cardinal direction on the um on the on the joystick. Um, his hats were one of the hats was jumping, and there was a couple a couple other stuff, and it was wild because every time he wanted to move and keep moving in their direction, he had to roll on that drum, or if he wanted to move diagonal, he'd have to roll on both of those drums. That's so funny. That's that's crazy. The amount of dexterity you would have to watch it. You, oh my god. It was wild. My jaw was on the floor for it was. It was only he. He any percent of it. He he genuinely fairly got sixteen of the thirty something stars. I think that are in Super Mario sixty four and the everything after that was glitches. Me with my fingertips could not play this game as fluidly as this man was doing it with drumsticks. It was wild. Was he playing the version that still allowed for the uh, like infinite backwards long jump, like where you yeah. build up speed? Yeah. Okay. He, okay. It's gonna blow your mind. He managed to do that. On a drum set. That is crazy. <laughs> yes, it was wild. Oh, it was insane, dude. Okay, yeah, watch. I'm I'm watching like snippets right now, and this is bizarre to watch. I've watched a lot of I mean, I've seen like blindfolded speedruns and shit like that, but this is the only I know that other drum um drum speedruns exist. This is the first one I've actually watched through in its entirety. It's insane. I just wanted to throw that out there. No, that's really that's really sick. I've always been really into GDQs to see, and I never knew that they had like wacky concepts like that actually in their runs. So that's really neat. Somebody did, if I remember correctly, somebody's dog did a speed run this year. Um, you know how you know how people will train the dogs to like step on the buttons and talk. There's no way. What? Yeah. Um. And I'm trying to. It, I'm trying to find it right now. It was some. Um, it was a. It was an obscure indie game. That is like that. That is peak speedrunning. Like we're not gonna reach a higher level than if a dog or like a like a monkey or something. If they somehow train a monkey, since the, I mean they have more yeah. like malleable hands. Yeah, that's the, that's the future. It's it's Fido. It's not Fido Fetch. It's Fido. Uh, beat that game. <laughs> Play Dark Souls. <laughs> to, uh, to answer the previous question, this year, uh, GameStone Quick has had raised over $2.5 million for the Prevent Cancer Foundation. To date, GDQ has raised over $45 million for various charities, primarily Doctors Without Borders and Prevent Cancer. So, Jeez. Yep. That's crazy. Yep, yep. So, all right. Anybody have anything else? No, I think we can get into the meat. All right, who wants to go first? It's not me. I'm not doing it. I opened the show today. Nose goes. I've got my finger on my nose. <laughs> I think for the sake of what's about to transpire, I should not be the one that goes first. Oh, shit. I guess I am going first. All right. 
<laughs> All right. That that that's fair. Full, full disclosure, I um I spent a lot of time during our playtime obsessing, admittedly obsessing more than I needed to over getting everything set up for the podcast and stuff like this. So I partially purposefully chose the style of game that I'm going to talk about today because it is very much a once you see it, it's kind of what you get kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um I played Coral Island. It is a Stardew Valley-esque, and there's there's more to the esque than just esque, but it's a Stardew Valley-esque um, farm life sim, I think is the uh, the genre that it goes for. Uh, it falls into the same category as like My Life at Portia and stuff like that. Um, it was developed by Stairway Games. It was released technically um, in 2022, but on a uh, on a early access type thing um it released its version 1.0 this january um it was published by the humble bundle and it came out on pc playstation um xbox i think there's a switch port coming in february or march i played it on a games pass and in the uh when i didn't have access to the xbox i played it on the steam deck so that being said um it is it's very much it's very very much stardew valley it pulls it pulls um features from all sorts of different uh life farm sim games but if you had to pick two it would very much be if stardew valley and animal crossing new horizons had a baby um nice. yeah it's um it's set in it's a very indo-pacific game the setting is it takes place in um imagine hawaii because i get a lot of hawaii vibes from this uh, from the people to the story and stuff like that. And it's very um, uh, Mother Earth-centric. So the story is is you, your, your regular Stardew story, you um, are tired with the city life and you want to go you know, do something that's not city life. So you have a relative, of course, who gifted you a farm on this island called Coral Island. And uh, you end up there in the town of Starlet, I believe. And you introduce yourself to um, the townsfolk and all that fun stuff. You explore town, and then they eventually take you to your farm that's overgrown. You have to slowly chop away at the the wood and the grass and clear out your farm. And uh, very heavy on crafting, so you it's, uh, you build build your base up essentially, um, and unlock new crafting materials and stuff as you go. But the story of the game is, and I'm going to compare this to Stardew a lot because it is extremely similar. The story of Stardew, as most people that have played games in the past 10 years would know, is that a large corporation wants to take over the town uh, for its own corporation-like needs. It's very similar in Stardew, or it's very similar in this game in Coral Island. So essentially what happens is there was an um, an oil spill around the island uh, by the company Pufferfish, if I remember correctly. <clears throat> and it's brought your town's rating down to an F rating. And the ratings in this game are very Japanese. It goes F, E, D, C, B, A, and then you get an S rank. I was very happy to see that you get an S rank in this game. Um, did you get the S rank? No, I did not. <laughs> I got to the E rank. Um, so... <laughs> um i'm still playing yeah baby steps i'm still playing i'm putting time into it i was just playing it this morning actually um but 
So the 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 cool thing that where Animal Crossing specifically comes into this is uh, the primary way to help with your town and the island's rating is by cleaning up the ocean. You know, oil spill. Uh, one of the primary um, crafting ingredients of the game is trash. So you pick up trash uh, both from around the island and also from the ocean floor because there's a diving mechanic in this game. And um, so you go down into the ocean and you'll be using your scythe and you'll be collecting garbage and stuff like that and cleaning up the ocean. And before you know it, you uncover this capsule. I don't really know what to call it. And it ends up floating in the air and goes over and embeds itself into this structure next to the coral reef. And it explodes, not not fireball explosion, but like a more of a mystical explosion. And the oil is like cleaned up and wept away in another part of the the, uh, the underwater map opens up so you do that enough and eventually you get to um atlantis they didn't name it but it's essentially an under underwater kingdom where merfolk live that's as far as i got with that back on land um you kind of do the same thing but in an as uh in instead of cleaning up trash you just help the townsfolk out through festivals and stuff like that. They have planting tree festivals and whatnot. When you when you do those things, you get merit points that can be spent. Um, that can be spent in like a. Um, I, I I don't. I really don't want to call it a. Ah um, oh, fuck! What's it called? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, it's it, you get elixirs and stuff like that, and it, you can get all sorts of stuff from it. But the more that you do those kind of activities, the more it increases your town's rank. And the more that you increase your town's rank, visibly, the more the uh, the island improves. Um, you also get it's uh, there's different seasons, just like in Stardew, um, each with their own aesthetic, uh, different. Uh, crops and stuff like that are available at different times. It has a mining system, much like Stardew, um, except instead of one single mine shaft that has 100 levels, for example, um, there's four. And each one has 40, and each one of those mine shafts you have to complete before you can unlock the next one. And in the first one's where you get your bronze ore, the second one's where you get your silver, gold, and so on. Which brings me back to the ocean. Um, a large crafting resource in this game is kelp. And you have bronze kelp, silver kelp, and gold kelp. And depending on how much of the ocean floor you've unlocked is where you can harvest that kind of stuff. So it has this very, very heavy, heavy resemblance specifically to Stardew Valley. And I think, honestly, that's kind of where it fails for me personally. Because I love this game. I am obsessed with this game, but I don't have the umph to sit and play it near as much as my brain wants me to because I've put so many hours into Stardew Valley that it uh, feels yeah. like this is a beautiful, wonderful, fresh coat of 3D paint on Stardew with a whole new story a whole new set of villagers to talk to. It has its own identity and it works flawlessly. But I've played the same gameplay loop for so many years. Right, yeah. Um, that being said, they do have future updates planned for it. 
Um, there's a lot of stuff to go into with it. A lot of stuff that they are planning on doing. You can adopt multiple, or you can't adopt multiple pets. Rather, there are multiple pets to choose from to adopt in this game. They have dogs, cats. There's a lizard. There's a couple of rabbits. Um, but they have a lot of stuff planned for this game down the road. Um, and honestly, I think when I when the itch gets gets to me, instead of going to something like Stardew. I'm going to start con- to continue to play this. I want to see this through to the end. It'll probably just take me a while, for sure. So, so there there is like a definitive end to that game. So there's uh, you've never played Star Stardew or Stardew Valley, correct, Cameron? No, no. I kind of like I kind of know, but there's there's what, and I'm assuming to this game it's the same. Um, in Stardew specifically, there's what's called a soft ending. So you have a year to do quote unquote everything that you need to do. And after that year, uh, after that year, the ghost of your grandfather who you inherited the farm from will come visit you in your sleep and will give you a grade, essentially give you a rank on your game that you've played. But you can you can play as many seasons in the game as you want after that. Um, I'm assuming that it's the same same way with this. So one really funny thing is when you were talking about seasons, I thought you meant like live service game seasons. So I was like, whoa, this Stardew Valley game has a or this Stardew Valley like lookalike has a battle pass. That's interesting. I don't know why that's where my brain went, but that's immediately like the first thing I latched on to. Yeah, no, you're good. Yeah, no, it's 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 a really fun game. I uh, my partner, Sarah, has been playing it in absolute fuck ton she's way further in it than i am um and like there's there's so many funny moments in this damn game like uh i was walking through the town square at one point and un- un- unlike with something god i really it, it's hard it's really hard not to talk about stardew with this game i'm sorry but it's it's <laughs> that's just how it is with stardew and a lot of other games in their own respect NPCs are just programmed to go from X point here to Y point here at X time of day, for example, right? Um, and then you can interrupt them and talk to them maybe in the middle of doing that. But past that, you know, you might have so-and-so is sitting here doing, you know, fishing on the pier for a couple hours, that kind of stuff, real simple stuff. I walked through uh, the square of the town at one point and half of the town was out there just doing yoga as a yoga session. And Whoa. in the middle of all of them was the Shiba Inu named Taco, who I've fallen in love with. So they have a doge. They had a doge doing yoga. Like he was like stretching out his back and shit. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> awesome. The, yeah. The, the, the there's downward dog pose. Yeah. So like there's there's all sorts of like quirky moments. There's a one point, one of the weirder things I know I've talked about Merfolk. I've talked about um, uh, there's teleporting in this game. Um, there's the ocean goddess. There's Gaia, essentially, that you um, awaken. Um, and that that's how... So giving her gifts is essentially how you repair the community center in Stardew Valley. Um, you have offerings, which are different bundles. Like one is themed as like summer crops. One's themed as fall crops. One may be summer harvest or um, foraging items, stuff like that. <clears throat> and through that, you can unlock teleporting around the map. It's a decent sized map. Um, it's probably twice the size of something like Stardew or uh, physically running around, maybe 
probably the same size-ish as like my time at Porsche or something like that. But um, there's at one point where you go to one of the sacred trees and you like say a prayer, if I remember correctly, and out of it spawns what I can only describe as like it, it's a god, but he's like a tiki uh, 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 a tiki torch in shorts and board shorts. What <laughs> he, he speaks like he speaks like oh no human h o o m u n human see me must go and he'll like fucking jaunt off and you gotta chase him down. <laughs> I, it, the game is quirky as shit and I fucking love it. It's awesome. It's got um. There's a boutique you can buy. Uh, you can you can play Fashion Coral Island if you want. There's different outfits you can fit. One of which I will flat out tell you, it's a giant chicken costume, which is great. Uh, yeah it's 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 fun you, you yeah dalton i know you've played uh stardew valley you should definitely at least look into it you would because i know you played that with your your partner so yeah you, yeah you get a kick out of it for sure they do not have co-op but it being, a, it being a successful kickstarter in the next couple of updates um they are implementing couch and online co-op Oh, cool. And when I say successful Kickstarter, I mean, uh, if let me find it here, they raised, do, 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 they asked for something like $100,000 and they made like $5 million on it or some crazy shit. Let me. Oh my God. I want to be integral about that. Hold on. Coral is kick. If that if that if those numbers are accurate, that's insane. It's, it's a giant jump. It's shocking. Um, I will say, because um, you were like comparing this to, uh, uh, not I can't even think of the name. It's escaping me. But uh, the screenshots that I've been like looking up of this game, it reminds me heavily of um, Harvest Moon. You know that series? Yeah. Um, yeah. Specifically, uh, a Wonderful Life, I believe, was the the full title. Right. That was um, a wonderful life. That was still was that GameCube? Yeah, that was on the GameCube. Okay, yeah, I know which one Whoa. you're talking about. You guys have entered an era I didn't live through. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my numbers were off, but the jump is exactly what I was. They asked for seventy thousand dollars, and in thirty six hours, they raised one point six million. Yeah, that's still that's like the same. That's that's so crazy. Imagine being the developers in a situation like that, being like, yeah, we're going to ask for like five figures. And then you end up with seven figures worth of just disposable income to develop this game. However, the fuck you want. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> they added things. Now that I'm looking at it, they added well, one of, with the, the Kickstarter things. You can have kids. You can start a family. You can have kids. Oh, Your kids oh, will grow cool. up. Um. That's cute. Simple, simple things like as the seasons change, people's outfits will change, stuff like that. Um, the Merfolk Kingdom. Yeah. It's it's been real fun, especially with uh I mean, I've put I've put probably five or six hundred hours into Stardew Valley. And just the idea of playing something um simple enough to be comfortable, but also having a whole new world to explore and figure out, it's been it's been awesome. So yeah, that's what I got. That's what I brought to the table today. Uh, that's super sick. It seems like a cool game, yeah, because I've played a little bit of 
I've played a bit of Stardew and I've played a decent bit of Animal Crossing, so that's probably a game that I could that I could get into and get behind. So might be might be something I have to check out. Hey, you have Games Pass for the time being. Oh yeah, you said it's on. You said it's on Game Pass. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'll have to install it then. Give it a try. Might download that right now. Actually. There you go. Yeah. All right. Who's next? Yeah. Who wants to? Camera, you want to do it, or do you want to just? dive headfirst into what's about to happen uh i'm actually curious because you've told me a little bit about the story that you've uh for the game that you're playing and uh i kind of want to hear more about that um so i'll let you go next yeah okay all right so um full disclosure you're not going to understand the story any better once i like explain what i do understand of it because i have contorted and phrased the the like storyline so like dramatically that it's almost unrecognizable because i had to put it into normal human words and i just made it sound like i was like it was just very dumb so so i chose a uh at the time when it was uh debuted in 2016 it was very when it was first um announced in 2016, I don't remember what games conference it was it was in, but it seemed like it was pre it was the first game that well, I'll go ahead and just say the actual title of the game. The game that I chose was Death Stranding. And I specifically I don't know if it made a big difference as far as what I had gotten into with the beginning of the game, but I was playing the director's cut. So I was on my PS5 developed by Kojima Pod- Kojima Productions, which is Hideo Kojima's company that they uh, had founded post Konami because they I didn't know this, but apparently they had like a whole beef with Konami with some of the previous titles. I don't know if it was like with Metal Gear or whatever, but I hadn't really played any of his games. So it's it's uh, it's his company. Yeah, I know that that might ruffle some feathers. It doesn't ruffle some feathers. It's if you like it, I really hope you start playing some more of them because the man is a genius. Yeah. So it was published by Sony Interactive and it was originally released. um, I want to say, I mean, right now we're on PS5 and Series S slash X, but it was previously released for four and five or four and or PS4 and Xbox One, but it was released November 8th, 2019, and it's currently available on PS4, PS5, uh, Mac, and PC. And it also, when I looked it up, it said it was available on iOS. I don't really know what that means. If if it's like... If they, I don't know if they include like cloud streaming in there somehow, because I know that you can stream games through PlayStation Plus if you have uh, if you have like the app. But I think that's more just through remote play. So you're still like playing from your PlayStation. It's just displayed to your phone via streaming. So I don't really know. Uh, yeah, it's twenty dollars. I'm wait, really? It's like just available to purchase. Yeah, seller five hundred five games compatibility. What? Oh, uh, I guess I should side note that uh, I think I don't know if it was like co-published but by 505 games as well but um it was originally just a PlayStation game until uh until Sony and PlayStation made a push to actually port a lot of their games to PC once they got like I don't even like they have like the Spider-Man games on there now the Horizon franchise uh God of Wars on there 
funny that you mention it for iOS because I'm looking at the Apple App Store page for it now. Mm-hmm. And um, that's exactly what it is, it looks like. And it actually is a pre-order item. It releases in three days as of this recording. Oh, it's not even out. Well, that's oh, that's that's strange. That That's crazy timing. But... But yeah, it's I mean, so I I also put about how how long did you say you spent on yours, Cameron? That was like six or seven hours. Yeah, so I was roughly around like the six hour mark as well, which is gravely below what you would need to complete a game like this. So I'm obviously definitely not going to be covering like everything about the game. It's I took like a very specific small portion of the beginning and just kind of enjoyed it however I could because uh, it was there's just a lot of different things and it also like there's a whole separate subsection of lore that I have not gotten into or del- delved into because it's all really abstract it's all really strange the game is super goofy it confused the shit out of me like 90% of the time. Anytime that you're listening to any of their like dialogue or just like if you're trying to piece together a main plot, it's pretty much mailman on bike restores the world. Like that's like as close to uh, like if I had a single sentence to sum it all up, that's about as good as you're going to get. So on top of that, I don't know why I chose to do this, but I played it on the hardest difficulty that the, that it offered, which I don't know. I didn't read um, in the difficulty slider scale like what that specifically altered. I don't know if it means like you take more damage, you get exhausted quicker, you're easier to spot. Like whatever it was, I didn't look into it too far. I immediately thought of it as like, oh, there's probably a trophy to beat the, everything on the hardest difficulty, so I'm just going to go straight for the hardest difficulty. And on top of that, I, um, I, when you're doing, like, so the game is, like, designed around routes, and, like, you have to run routes and run packages to routes, and they give you separate trails that you can take, and each one has a, a, its own difficulty scale separate from the overall game's difficulty slider. And every single time I was like, huh, which one's the hardest? And I would just go with that one immediately. And it came to bite me in the ass the very first time that I had uh, like come in contact with any enemies. And it took me forever just to get through that first encounter. And it was like the first big like action encounter. So this game, I don't really know like what I can compare it to. I mean, it's a Kojima game, which a lot of people that says a lot, if you know his games, like they're all really cool, but they're also like really fascinating in very unique ways that are hard to explain. But it's generally like your standard single player, like action adventure exploration focused game. So I pieced together a very loose and probably incorrect interpretation of the story in what I consider to be the most hilarious clusterfuck of points that I could. So I am just going to barrel through it and I'm going to read the whole thing. And then y'all are just going to be left to pick up the pieces. Because <laughs> All right. It, get, it gets weird. Fair right. enough. Go for it. You wake as a man. In big milky goop. 
Reincarnation exists for those referred to as repatriates, a genetic superpower that allows you to detect and combat the shadow people. You live your life as a porter or mailman, which I might add is very fitting for, you know, us. <laughs> very fitting, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You were talking about routes. You have to run routes earlier, and I was just getting PTSD, man. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you live your life as what they refer to as a porter with the assumed goal of reconnecting various outposts to the Bridges Company. So your character, Sam Bridges, or I think he uh, he calls himself Sam Porter Bridges, but being a porter is also like his title. So I don't know if that's actually his name or if he uses it as like a nickname to not be connected to the Bridges Company, because there's later lore that shows, and this isn't much of a spoiler, but essentially your family is connected to this company in some way. And that's kind of what makes you like a main focal character. But um, they have this goal to just like reconnect the world. It's uh, I guess I should have mentioned it's kind of like a post-apocalyptic adventure like action game. And so your whole goal is working or not not initially, but eventually it becomes you supporting this company via your courier services to connect these various communities and other uh sects of the world that had been sectioned off for a long time because when you run into an apocalypse generally technology just kind of falls off the face of the planet and then you kind of just have to like revert back to not the stone age but you have to revert back to like a previous era and then sort of work your way back into a more what was at the time deemed modern prior to the apocalypse so um also, I might add that this character, the, the, uh, Sam, that you play, seems to have zero interest in actually helping this company. I don't, I haven't really unearthed why, as far as the story is concerned, but he just seems like just this grungy, pissed off older dude. He's played by uh, Norman Reedus, who, for those who are listening that do not know, or if you guys didn't know, I'm sure you do, though. Um, he played Daryl Dixon in The Walking Dead. And so he's just like this really gruff dude with and his his, his acting in it is really great. It's really genius because I think they they mocapped him. So a lot of his movements seem very authentic almost to him as a person. I remember seeing it and thinking that it's not just Norman Reedus playing a character. It might as well just be Norman Reedus in the game. Yeah, no, it's straight. It, yeah, it comes off that way. This was also the game. Correct me if I'm wrong. This was also the game that used an egregious amount of uh, monster energy drink marketing. Did it? I'm maybe I might have completely overlooked it, though. In the trailers, it seemed like every other scene had a monster energy drink sitting somewhere. Really? Huh. I'll have to pay more attention to that when I as as I keep playing it more. But um yeah, so he as a character did not really give a shit about like the goal he thought that the goals of the company were like some something underlyingly nefarious, like they that they had some ill intent. But generally it just seems like it's a bunch of people just trying to like rebuild the world. And you like meet you meet the president or like the former president of the U.S. that's like super gung ho about rebuilding the world. And they have all of these like um, like officers that have these really obscure, weird names. Uh, like there's a guy that's just called his name's just Deadman. Doesn't have any other name. He wears I think 
I might be mixing him up with one other character, but um, he wears just like this black mask that covers his face, but it doesn't seem like it's connected to his face because when you see him talk in the sh- in the game, in the cutscenes and whatnot, his mask doesn't move, but you see his chin like jutting out from under the mask. It's really goofy, and it's like it was one of the first things I noticed that just made me have like a slight chuckle. Hmm. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was oh. it was really funny. Uh, John, I I had to look it up just because I was a little confused on what you were talking about. So. In Death Stranding, they do have a consumable that is monster energy. Now, that being said, that was in the original release. The director's cut does not have that because they would have to uh, pay pay royalties again. So that is not in the director's cut. That would make a lot more sense. Yeah. Yeah, that that would explain why I've never seen it, and it's because it straight up isn't even in it. That's interesting. I just looked it up, and there's a mod to put it back into. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Yeah. So as far, as far as the plot, I obviously don't want to get really like too far past what I've already said, just for the main sake of spoilers for anybody who hasn't played the game. Because I know the game came out at this point almost, it's like over four and a half years ago. And so I don't really, uh, but I still like would want to give people that, freedom to experience it in the way that I did because I had never heard I the only thing I heard about this game was that the people that liked it thought it was really cool and the people that were Kojima fans were like kind of split down the middle where a lot of people were like this is this crazy abstract masterpiece and then other people were like why do I have to walk around for over 200 hours to complete a video game it's it's like the typical argument of a lot of these type of games like uh like Fallout New Vegas, they a lot of people or most of the Fallout games, they just call it a walking sim. So like there's just like you just do a lot. You do a lot of walking. It's just kind of what you do. Right. But um. so I'll here I'll I'll hone back into my my points here. Uh, the general game revolves around a borderline biblical event appropriate named appropriately as the Death Stranding, a very complex manipulation of time, the afterlife and death. While playing, you encounter creatures I will forever refer to as the Shadow People that make regular (laughs) attempts to detain and eliminate you during your adventures and deliveries. And then, so, getting into some of, like, the deeper breakdowns of Death Stranding as a, uh, like, an event, uh, a virus, a disease, uh, whatever it is considered, again, still very confusing. Um, So, there is a weather known as Timefall, which is just rain. But the idea is that if you aren't wearing proper gear to protect yourself from it, it physically ages your skin. And after, like, so much exposure, it either, like, ages you beyond repair or it just straight up, like, ages you until you are a skeleton and you just die. Mm. So the interesting thing about this game is that they... Like I said earlier, they introduced the idea of people that carry a, a trait that and those the people that carry this trait are referred to as repatriates. And what they're able to do is essentially revive themselves. Um, I'm not sure if there's like additional stipulations there, like if you die a certain way, if that somehow changes it, if the Death Stranding eliminates you, if you can't revive from that or if it's only restricted to like normal death. If that makes any sense, like if it doesn't have anything to do with Death Stranding, if you fall over and snap your neck, you can come back. Like I, 
it's really strange the way that it it is con- it's been conveyed so far because there's a lot of like almost dimension hopping like it it's super goofy like i said but um and then the last part that is pretty crucial to the beginning of the game is when someone dies during this their body must be incinerated otherwise it will explode and i when i say explode i mean like with the power and devastation of nuclear bombs like they show <laughs> they show a cutscene of a single body blowing up and it wiped out an entire base camp of people holy shit and like left a huge crater and it's it's a really it's a really captivating scene when you watch the cutscene mm-hmm. but it is also really jarring to watch what was once a person just turn into like a 10 mile crater. <laughs> it's it's super, super crazy. And then the the last part of this that contributes pretty heavily to the overall gameplay is uh, your repatriate abilities can be amplified. So or, uh, here, I'll, I'll back up a little bit because being repatriate means that you have this ability to um, sense the creatures that you are around that I don't, the the one that I refer to as the shadow people, mm-hmm. um, you can sense them, but you can't see them. So you'll know when they're there. There, it's I, There's like an audio cue that can help, that, that'll help you detect them. And they introduce that in like one of the first cutscenes that you watch because you just see these black, mucky, like mudded hands just stomping towards you, but almost like they're trying to scare you that way they know where you are. Like, it seems like they're mainly triggered by sound. And so if you're not making sound and if you're not moving, they'll kind of just look at you. And they also have they like secrete the same time fall that is present in the rain. And the reason that I was able to pick up on that is because the uh, your your character, Sam, carries a picture in his in his pocket. And he goes in a cave to like seek shelter and when you drop you accidentally drop the picture and then the 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 shadow the shadow guy steps on the picture and then you see the picture physically change color only in the spot that he stepped on which was on a person in the picture and if you uh, slight spoiler but you won't understand it unless you play is the person that he steps on in the picture like has a very significant character arc very soon after that picture and like You'll just you'll just have to if you're going to play it, that's going to be a moment you're going to want to look out for, because it's a really neat attention to detail that I didn't notice, honestly, until I was explaining it right now, because then I remembered that cutscene and I was like, oh, shoot, that makes so much sense. But these abilities can be amplified by just a small child that you hold in like an incubation womb backpack and they call them BBs. I, I assume it's just a play on baby. But they call him like yeah, they just call him BBs. And if you're using that in combination with your natural repatriate traits, you're able to see these creatures, and they kind of just look like these cloudy, misty, shadowy, gray silhouettes of people, just almost like scarecrow, like in a scarecrow stance. Mm-hmm. With like a weird wispy snake of just like 
geometric shape going through the center of their body. And um, the BB allows you to see that, and then it also allows you to uh, know when they're around because the BB will start crying, and then there's obviously like a HUD indicator too in the actual game for the UI where you can see like a um, like a distress meter essentially where it'll show like how scared the baby is and then it also plays into like stealth mechanics and just like the act of avoiding the enemies and then there's like a hold breath ability that you have to use as well but um the ma- the main game is literally kind of just you walk around you drive deliver packages to like various drop off points and then each time that you deliver you level up and then leveling up allows you to spec into skills or not spec into skills but it gives you uh like like if you level up a certain portion of your skill tree then you're able to uh like carry more stuff because there's like a whole weight uh mechanic for like you obviously can't carry like 400 pounds worth of gear and then walk around with it um and then it uh leveling up also unlocks other uh pieces of of gear and like gadgets and things so like ladders and grappling hooks and uh there's like a oh shoot i can't remember what it's called but it's like a almost like a stamina like an adrenaline thing that you can use and that's kind of how you like Traverse terrain. Um, I think eventually later in the game you get introduced to actual weapons that you can use. Um, but that's... I haven't gotten to that point yet. Uh, but the the one, the one funny part of this game as you're doing your traversing and like using your gadgets and moving and making your deliveries is... And I wanted to touch on this because I think it's funny, but I also think it can be kind of annoying, is the balance minigame that you have to play as you're walking because you have to distribute the weight a certain way. And if you don't distribute the weight, then it's really hard for you to keep your balance. So on PlayStation, you have to hold a corresponding trigger, whether it's L2 or R2, to, like, shift your weight back and forth. And it kind of just looks like you're dancing as you're running the whole time. And then if you fail to respond in time, then you have to, pre- you have to like, immediately press both of the triggers. And they have prompts on the screen. But um, if you have to press both of the triggers to be able to not fall over, because then if you fall over, you can damage your goods. Excuse me. You can damage your goods that you're carrying. And then that obviously uh, can result in like a lower rating on the scale. So like in a lot of like older games, like maybe collectathons and stuff like that, you remember, you know how like you'd have sections where you had to like walk tight ropes or walk across a super thin beam or something like that. Mm-hmm. They'd bring up that balance bar is essentially what you're talking about. Like that, that mechanic where you have to keep like the little dot in the center of the balance bar. Or otherwise you'll fall off and have to start again. But everywhere you go. Yeah, so it I mean it does occur pretty much everywhere you go once you hit past like a certain limit in your weight threshold because if you can if you can carry like 100 pounds, you'll start to stumble like halfway in there so or not even halfway. It's like once you hit like 40 or 50 pounds worth of gear, you start to like sway. And um it doesn't show like a visual cue in that sense where you can see it's not like a Tony Hawk like grind rail where you, right, okay, you can yeah, like yeah. use your joystick to keep it in the center. It's more so just like 
you can visually see your character start to tilt to the left. And so then you use the left trigger to counteract that movement and then vice versa for the right side. And it'll show like button prompts, almost like quick time events. It'll show like button prompts, but it won't show like how close you are to staying stable or to falling. But then the, the easy way to bypass that and you walk a little bit slower if you do it is you can just hold the triggers the whole time. So if you're like sprinting and you're just holding the triggers, <laughs> if, you hold bo- if you hold both triggers, then you don't have to play the minigame. And that's what I found myself doing a lot when I was carrying like really heavy tall loads. Because otherwise you'd sit there just going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, just like pressing each of the triggers. But um, yeah, it's mainly just you make the deliveries, you try not to fall on your face, um, and you'll run into zones that have enemies, whether it's the shadow people or these guys called scrappers, because these dudes called scrappers will set. Or I don't know if they're actually called scrappers, but for the all intents and purposes, that's what they are. They run around, they gather up any materials that they can, and they kill people for for their loot, essentially. And they have like these little beacon traps that if you step into them, it shoots a little light into the air and then it alerts them almost like a flare. And it alerts them of your position in that moment. And then all you have to do, I've found that they're really easy to avoid so far. All you have to do once you hit the beacon is uh, just leave the beacon. <laughs> Because the guys just walk up to the beacon, and if you're not at the beacon, they will just de-aggro and then walk away. Just about. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, that was the that was the other item that I was thinking of. There's like a, um, I don't know if it's a knife or like a tranquilizer pen, but you can use those to incapacitate those guys. If you come up, like the, the one of the first things I got to do um, that was like later into the delivery system was loot a scrapper camp and then i had to tranquilize one of them i don't know if it kills them or if it just incapacitates them but either way that's like part of the mechanics so it's like a lot of there's a a lot of like interesting stealth mechanics that are implemented very differently from like previous kojima titles so like uh metal gear uh, especially if you've played like metal gear solid uh like five like if you've played phantom pain or anything Oh, okay the open world ones yeah yeah, yeah. If yeah, any of the op- more open ones, um, those games are they're like more tactical and more uh, like militarized. Whereas this game is kind of just like, uh, be quiet and don't do anything stupid, and generally you'll be okay. And the only reason that I say that is just because I've played it on a pretty hard difficulty and managed to mostly avoid a lot of the stuff. There was one time that I didn't, and it was when dealing with the shadow guys, and they started uh, pulling these milky corpses out of the ground to grab at my feet. And so then I started running away, and then when I started running, they got pissed off because they knew exactly where I was because I was was making a shit ton of sound. And so they started stomping at the ground behind me, and they lifted up this big, like, gush of oil and dirt and muck and sludge and they like threw a whale at me like i'm i'm not making that up it was was like wondering where the whales fit in from the trailer that makes sense yeah it's just like if you get caught by the dudes then they throw a whale at you and then essentially there's like this big pursuit that happens and i don't know what happens if you get caught like i don't know if you just die because i've never i 
I got into that scenario, but then you can after that you can get out of it. Like you you don't just like immediately get killed or like have to reset or anything. I I managed to somehow avoid it. I don't really know how. If I'm being honest, I just ran away until I was out of their zone, and then once I was out of their zone, I just stayed quiet again. And oh, they also have like a hold breath mechanic as well too that uh, ties into your stamina meter. So you have to hold your breath because they can hear that too. Like that that's all that is all they need to be able to get you. And it's kind of comical too because the gameplay is just like when you're holding your breath in um they first show it in like a cutscene. And the guy just puts his hand over his face, like over his mouth. And that's like that that's it. <laughs> I don't like he could easily just be breathing through his nose and you'd never know. As opposed to just closing your lips. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, it, it has the, seemingly it has the same effect. But I'm assuming that when you do that, they they are implying that you're not breathing out of your nose. It's more of, a, more of a visual, yeah, yeah, more of a visu- yeah, yeah. visual thing. Yeah, it's more of like a suspense visual, yeah. It's a, it's a Japanese, it's a Japanese developer anyway, especially Kojima. A Japanese are a lot more, um, by nature, they're a lot more, oh, what's the word, e- e- emote Emotive, express, yeah. Yeah, they're a lot more emotive. They express a lot more than Western cultures. So Yeah, I get I got I didn't think about it like that, but that makes sense. But uh So that might just yeah. be a design thing or like a cultural thing. Yeah, yeah, it could be. But yeah, that's my uh that's that's my game. That's do do with what just came out of my face <laughs> with as you will. <laughs> I've I've never played it and I've always wanted to. And it's definitely it's a trip. It, I really like I said, I've only played about six hours or so. It's really neat so far. I honestly thought I wasn't going to like it because any anything that I had seen about it is it seemed and, and don't get me wrong. Gameplay wise, it can be very dry. It can be really dull and it can drag on. And I'm sure if I keep going or as I keep going with it, it'll probably get more boring as you get through. But at that point, I would hope that I'm at least invested in the story because that's the part that mainly intrigued me in the first place. Is it just seems really abstract and really interesting in a way that I want to explore. It's really easy to see the kind of trailer that they put out and immediately feel like you have to have quite you have to have answers for it. Yeah, I I don't know what any of that means, but something's compelling me to. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's very. Yeah, it's very captivating in that regard. It grabs your attention really easily and tends to maintain it pretty pretty well at least in my experience but yeah oh yeah you've convinced me i'm probably gonna look into it yeah i would i would recommend it if you if you i mean you can sweep it up on pc it's on it's on steam um if not if if you find it like on sale or something i know every once in a while it's been on sale on steam uh but if not it's on i've been playing it through just the playstation plus premium subscription because i i bought like the the year subscription similar to like how you can buy like a year worth of game pass or whatnot. But right. You said it came out in 2016 or it was revealed in 2000. It was revealed in trailers. It, like the trailer reveal was, tw- it was 2016, but it didn't release until 2019. Okay. All right. Right on. Hell yeah. But yeah. All right. Last but not least. Well, I was, I was actually going to make a comment. Um, so, like I, I love collector's editions of games. Um, they usually come with something that's pretty, uh, 
pretty important, like in the game, so to speak. Uh, and for Death Stranding, there was actually a replica BB. That you oh could yeah, get, I remember this. Yeah, which which is so weird to me. Um, but I also found it funny that there was a post on Reddit that I just looked at. They're like, "Well, how tall is it?" And somebody took uh, a measurement of it using monster cans because why not? <laughs> it's, so yeah, it is two monster cans tall. That's just, awesome. Just so you're aware. If you're uh, if you're interested in picking it up, a very quick look on eBay has it going for around two hundred bucks. They still sell new versions of it too. I mean, I oh, they do. The, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Oh, one thing I totally forgot to mention, but I just saw this picture. It also there's like these dudes that wear gold. That's that's all you get. I I don't know. I don't know what they. I don't know what they are. They they just wear gold suits. And they seem like they are in some way like the enemy, but that's like that's as deep as that goes in my brain right now. Yeah, the collector's edition, uh, the PS4 one, is three hundred and fifty dollars on on of uh, on Amazon. I don't know what. Oh my god, that's that's used, used. They have a used like new for two forty. Two twenty two fourteen used very good on eBay. Ooh, it comes in a pelican case. Got to keep your BB safe. Yeah, that's probably one of the. That's like one of the otter uh, collector's editions I think I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's pre- it's pretty goofy. It also says it's a one to one scale, so that's really funny. Um, but this it's also worth mentioning with this game that it was like very well critically acclaimed. Like it. PlayStation, or no, sorry. Gaming Nexus gave it a 9.5. PlayStation Lifestyle gave it a 9.5. It had five stars. Like, it's got, like, some pretty high critical ratings. And, I mean, that that's worth mentioning just because the critical ratings were pretty high and the public ratings were relatively mixed, but they all seemed, like, like overall positive. Like I said, there were some people that were, like... Why is this walking simulator a 9.5? And then there are other people being like, this is the most trippy, cool experience I've ever had. I know I'm currently hung up on. I just realized that Death Stranding and Callisto Protocol use almost the exact font, the same font. Yeah, I know. I noticed that as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's the yeah, the bridge is that bridges energy. Is that what that says on that can? Yeah, they said they said they changed it to a uh, store brand, like in-game store brand energy drink. Yeah, that's what I got out of it was Bridges Energy. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Cam. All right, so um, a little bit of uh, information prior to why I'm playing this game. Um, I recently got a PS5. Uh, my buddy was wanting the uh, spider. Well, yeah, he was he was wanting the Spider-Man uh, uh, version of the PS5, so he sold me his old one. But um, I had never really been into PlayStation games. There's like a whole list of games that I would like to play. Never got the chance to uh, up until this point. And with the uh, uh, PS Plus subscription, I've been able to like actually play quite a few of these games. Um, like Jack and Daxter, Ratchet and Clank, uh, Sly Cooper, so on. Yeah, um, like the classics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, I I've enjoyed all of them that I've played so far. But um, today specifically, I uh, 
Uh, I'm talking about uh, Sly Cooper and the Thievius Raccoonus. Um, I did not realize that I've was been the playing title. It. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's got yeah, a subtitle. Well, I think all of them have subtitles. Yeah. Yep, they all they all have subtitles. Um, but I've been playing it with the uh, out of the collection edition, which um, it's like a I believe it was like an HD uh, graphics upgrade, and uh, it has like the first three games in it, uh, like the the trilogy. Um, but it was uh, the original was released by uh, Sucker Punch back in two thousand two. Um, it's a game. It's a it's a it's a platformer with like stealth elements, which you can kind of kind of work around those uh, if need be. Uh, it was back on the yeah, it was back on the the PlayStation Two. So again, I never had a PlayStation Two, so I never got to play the original. Right. Um. But the 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 main the main story of at least this game. I don't know about the other ones. I don't know if they branch off or if they're all their own secluded story. But in Thievius Raccoonus, you're playing as uh, Sly Cooper, and uh, your family had been murdered by a bunch of these. Uh, what, what's what's the word I'm looking for? They they wanted to be master thieves. So they murdered the Master Thieves, which is like the Cooper family, and stole the Thievius Raccoonus, which is like a book of like every single Master Thief skill set that like his entire family had passed down from generation to generation. This got so, really dark. I, I do not remember this game starting off this heavy. Holy crap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the whole time you're playing, you're basically... um. Uh, it is kind of like a collectathon, but like it doesn't need to be. The whole time you're collecting these uh, notes and bottles to unlock um, safes that have additional pages that like give you additional abilities. Each page you get gives you like an add-on ability, and some of them stack. Um, so just different move sets that kind of help you throughout the game. They're not necessary to beat the game. Um, but you're also taking down each member of this, like, I, I want to call them a guild. It was like a, a guild of, like, ringleaders. You're taking down, like, each leader as you uh, progress through the game. And it being a game from 2002, each, like, each level has multiple levels. Um, and they're all identical, or not identical, they're all, um, they're all different, like differently themed worlds. Like that was kind of a trope that a lot of uh, games from that time period did. So, like the first one is like Paris, France, and the second one is like the desert. The third one is like the the bayou. You know, it's it's all kind of like that. So, uh, it has. It's also going off of the um, the older style games. There's a bunch of like mini games included, which. Uh, I actually found kind of annoying because they were the most challenging part and they're like mini games <laughs> that really have like no reason for being there. Like there's a little like racetrack where you have to come in first to proceed. Uh, there's a rhythm button mashing like DDR section at one point. That, again, you have to beat, you have to beat these mini games to proceed to like the next world. And each, right. each world has at least one of those. Um, so that was kind of annoying. Uh, 
that being said, I was also kind of taking advantage of cheat codes. I know that's probably frowned upon by some people, but Cheater. I play games to have fun. Yeah, <laughs> I, I play games I to play, have fun. I play games to, to enjoy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I had a cheat code that would um, give me like infinite hits because it is like a one-hit kill system. Now that can be avoided by collecting coins, and you can get like an additional hit up to three hits, I believe. Um, but that, like I said, that cheat code, you have infinite hits. Uh, there is also a cheat code that would automatically gather up uh, all those uh, bottles that had the uh, the notes in them that you needed for the uh, the safes. So, like, I didn't have to scavenge around the entire map multiple times looking for like that one last bottle. So when you got the, you said that the the bottle gave you, or you got like the the safe opens, right? Yeah, yeah. So and, like and those level, are what give you the additional abilities. Yes, each level so has. You, um, go, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to ask if like that, if you got all of those abilities like at the jump since you used that coat that cheat. Yes, so that specific okay. cheat code would it would literally just give me the bottles like I wouldn't have to go around and pick them up and then I could just go to the safe and input the code that you got once you collected all those bottles. Gotcha, gotcha. Overall, I, I enjoyed it uh, for like my first playthrough. I'd never like, you know, I saw advertisements back in the day and I was like, I was like, oh man, that game looks really fun. Um, it, it has a stealth element to it, but it's more or less, hey, you get detected, take out the thing that detected you, and you are no longer detected. So I am, I am remembering. Tell me if I'm wrong. I, I, were they, did the, the enemies have view cones? Did they almost always have something designating their view, view cone in that game? Yeah, they would typically have like a, a flashlight or a lantern or some sort that would cast like a cone of light. Okay, um, all right, yeah. There were also, like, booby traps. There were, like, laser grids that would, like, move in a certain pattern, and you'd have to, like, jump in between them mm -hmm. to some degree. Uh, yeah, that was, that was, it's a pretty small story compared to the games you guys are playing. Um, but you end up... Uh, the very last boss, the head honcho, is, like, this mechanical owl he's called clockwork and Whoa. apparently he's had a grudge against your family for like hundreds of years because like the reason he's like robotic is because he is like preserved himself so he's been like hunting down members of your family for like generations oh my god <laughs> yeah it's 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 kind of crazy this diabolical owl. And he's like, I mean, he's compared to Sly, he's he's pretty big. Um, right. So like the, the final like boss fight is like you circling around this arena with the help of uh, what was her name? Carmila the Fox. Oh, yeah. Is technically, had a team with you. Yeah, well, yes and no. She is uh, trying to capture Sly Cooper because, like, obviously he's a thief and she's, like, a police officer that upholds the law. So, <laughs> But they do end up working together at the very end. So, Right. I do remember um, 
you had a couple partners. There was a turtle, if I remember correctly, and a hippo. Yeah, yeah. So Sly does have like a little uh, duo team behind him. Uh, I'm trying to think of their names now because it's escaping me. But yes, the turtle was like the brains of the operation. Like he would always, like he would like give you the codes and stuff. Like he would decipher all the 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 messages and bottles that you collected, and he would give you the code to the safe. And um, the hippo was like the getaway driver so to speak, right. uh, which didn't really play in the, the, well, he, in the racing games, he was like who you were controlling, but like, like story wise, it was just kind of like, he was there to escort you from point A to point B, which is like where you start playing a Sly then. Bentley and Murray. Yes. Murray was the, the hippo, correct? Yep. yep Bentley yep. was the turtle. Okay. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, like I said, uh, they they uh, they wrap that game up like pretty well. There's a cliffhanger where like Clockwork might not be dead, so I don't know if that continues on into the into the trilogy. Um, I'll let you guys know as soon as I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you plan on continuing the the series then? Yes, yes. I don't nice. know if it'll be the next game that I talk about um, right. for the show, but. I, you know, I will keep you guys informed, like separately. Yeah. So be it. Does it? Do you guys? Do you guys have any ideas of games that you'll do next? Don't don't reveal them yet if you do. But yeah, oh yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, uh, I I've got a, some, a couple. I, I have something that I can actually dump hours into this go around, as opposed to dumping hours into setting up a podcast and then playing a game on the side. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. I, I have I have a couple of games on my radar that I haven't really gotten the chance to fully go into i think i'm i I think this will be a good opportunity for me to mainly go into like single player games that's a lot of what i don't do and i think we need to address the elephant in the room that i'm speaking this into existence now at some point we are gonna have to do a destiny episode that's 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 fine that's it fine. is yeah, we do unavoidable. If, if the, <laughs> yeah, hey, if the stars align, or if we shove the stars into place and we all come to the show with the same game, it's whatever. <laughs> yeah. Now that being said, I'm kind of curious because you guys are both playing like newer games, and I'm like going backwards in time here. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. are are you guys going to like continue playing newer games? Because no. I will probably be playing uh older games that's no that's fine it's wherever your interests go man yeah i will probably stick more to some newer stuff just because there's stuff that has released in the last couple of years that i haven't even had the chance to try whereas some of these old a lot of the older games that i do want to play it's because i have played them before you know what i mean right like a lot of them i've had the chance to sort of try out and eventually i'll probably like Maybe we could do like a like a retro episode or something, but right. um, but yeah, a lot of my stuff will probably be pretty pretty modern. Whatever you want to talk about, man, people will listen. So yeah, so but, all right, that's that's all you got, Cameron. If I if I could add one thing on to uh to to get with Cameron's regarding like retro games and stuff is I think it's really interesting how a lot of like the the main mechanics of those games can be so simple, but at the same time be so enjoyable. That was just one one thing I wanted to tackle on at the end here. That is, that's something that I feel like a lot of people with older retro style games or just like platformers of, of that type in in general 
they a lot of times don't get like the the credit for being so pl- just so playable i suppose mm-hmm. is is what i'm trying to say there's always uh fun in simplicity like you don't have to have yeah. these yeah over-complicated, well like, game mechanics. That's that's one of the reasons why I chose what I did, because I was spending a lot of time, like... I mean, I'm setting up websites and shit like that. I'm, you know, I'm I'm reading about how different things, and when I, when I get done doing that stuff, I wanted to go to a game that I didn't also have to work on while I was setting this this whole project up. If that right, yeah. I know. In simplicity, especially with the jobs that we do. So you don't always want to come home to um a number crunchy game necessarily or something that you have to keep track of a thousand different things. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. That's that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this is um just follow your interests, man. I mean, if next week Cameron wants to talk about Pong and Dalton you, you <laughs> want to talk about episode. you want to talk about a game that came out like five minutes ago, go for it, dude. It's your interests. Follow yeah. Listeners, feel free to participate as well. If you guys want to use this as an excuse to just, like, jump into a game you've never seen before. Which is a perfect segue to the next section, Dalton. Hey! Right now is where we would normally read emails. Obviously, it's the first uh, the first episode, so we don't have any. Which is a lie. We have one. It's me sending a test email to myself to make sure the system worked out. I wanted it to. It just says, hi, so hello to me. I get to pick the next host for the next episode um so typically uh audience members dear listener the way this would work is um if i'm feeling uh overly asshole-ish i could just pick somebody and not give an explanation or you can you know in this instance i'm going to say cameron wins the episode because he genuinely took me back to something from my childhood and actually in talking about it and explaining it opened up memories from that game that I completely forgot about. I had no idea that that game started off that fucking dark. Yeah, that was a, that was a curveball, right? Right from the because jump. Because I was like six when I played it and I didn't understand like the full meaning of the time <laughs> or something. But um, Dalton talked about something that I had no idea what the hell he was talking about and I still don't. And while it was a roller coaster, I'm going to look into that. But just yeah. Cameron Don't worry, I didn't get it either. Cameron took me back in time and kind of opened up some memories, so I want him to have the honor of hosting the next episode. So, congratulations, yeah. Cameron. Yeah, woo! Yay! All right. All right. You can't so, hear me um, clapping because Crisp is on, but I'm clapping. Yay! Yay. <laughs> I have Crisp off, yay! There we yay. go. So, um, that being said, <laughs> since we didn't have any emails, um, if anybody that's listening would like to send an email to us asking... Anything within the scope of the show, um, ask us questions about games, ask us questions about us. Tell us a game that you're playing. Just be involved in the show. For all into, fuck it, send us an email just saying fuck you, and I will read it out on the air. Uh, send your <laughs> oh, mail. you shouldn't have said that. <laughs> oh, God. Send your mail to mail at doortodoorgaming.com. That's door, the number two, doorgaming.com. Mail at doortodoorgaming.com, and we'll read them out. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much all I got. Like, subscribe, listen. Uh, you can catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. There's a couple of other podcatchers that scrape info from various sites. So if you search our name, you might be able to find us on there. Also, we have a website, uh, www.door2doorgaming. That's a, the number two, 
door2doorgaming.com. On there, you can find the list of episodes that we have or will have. You can find all the places that you can definitely listen to us. There's also going to be a section on there uh, describing the hosts and what they do if they do anything outside of the podcast. So until next time, that's all I have. I guess we'll see you in a month. Bye. I would like to welcome my co-hosts, Cameron Minter. I guess we didn't go over that. <laughs> I knew I was oh. fucking forgetting something. No, you know. no, yeah, I. <laughs> no, just I, keep I think I think you just go with it. That was too funny. <laughs>